0: Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton.
1: And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Classon, The Success Secrets of the Ancients.
0: Really? Is that the subtitle? I went with it. I think there's
1: a, was a someone else, a quote which I cut short, but I, I'll gotcha. put it in there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll go for it. Uh, this was episode nine of the podcast back in year one, season one. And uh, there was someone cooking spag bol or risotto or something in the background, a few birds around. We had an awful song. So we thought, you know what? This is a good book. It deserves, a, deserves a, another crack. So the book is about money and wealth, as, you might, as it sort of suggests by the
1: title. And it's written through the eyes of the most wealthy society in all of history. And this was the Babylonians in 6,000 BC. And as we'll find out, it was super relevant then, and it's super relevant right now.
0: They say that a wealthy city is a city full of wealthy people. The only way to get a wealthy city is to have lots of wealthy people and Babylon was such a city. It was a wealthy city and there was a lot of wealthy people, which makes a lot of sense. But it wasn't always like that. Uh, A lot of the time in the early days, they were just uh, scrounging around with uh, empty purses. They didn't have any gold jingling in their purses. And King Sargon, he went off to fight this great battle uh, against one of their enemies. And he came back and found that there was almost no food going around. Everyone was, everyone was basically living on the streets and picking up whatever scraps they could. And he thought, well, we've got to do something about this.
1: Yeah, the royal chancellor said to the King Sargon, uh, after many years of prosperity brought to our people because of your majesty, you built these huge irrigation canals, the mighty temples of the gods, now these works are completed, but for some reason, the people out there can't support themselves. Like, look at all that cool shit we got out there, but the general population have got nothing to really show for all this.
0: Yeah, when the king was building all this stuff, everybody had a job and everyone was making money and it was good, but they didn't really treat it properly. So now the laborers, they were without employment. They had no income. The merchants, the the, the bazaars, they were empty. There were no customers. The farmers, they were unable to sell the produce. The people, they didn't have enough jingly coins to buy food. And the king was shocked. He was like, what the hell? Have Paid so much, so many people, so much money to build all these massive things. Where's it all gone?
1: Yeah. Well, this might be familiar for people listening right now because he said it filtered through most people's fingers just as quickly as goat's milk goes through the strainer.
0: Now, that's. <laughs> have you ever strained goat's milk? Oh no, you can imagine. No, the gold you get it pretty quick, yeah. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the money comes in, and then it just sort of like strains away and vanishes. And you're like, where the hell did that go? And all of a sudden, you don't have that gold to jingling. <laughs> that's right.
0: So the king knew that this wasn't sustainable. He couldn't just keep funding massive infrastructure projects and keep paying people and keep paying people and then it all just straining through the goat milk strainer. So he thought, well, what can we do? How can we actually teach these people to become wealthy? They've all got they've all got jobs, maybe not as high-paying jobs now, but they, they've still got a source of income. So where is it all going? And the chancellor said, well, let's go and find out from the richest man in Babylon, big old Arcad.
1: Yes. So the king went up to Arcad and he asked him, Mate, is it true that you're the richest man in Babylon and how the hell did you become? So, I mean, like we were growing up, we were roughly the same age, Uh, going in school, everyone's going in different paths and everything like that. You got some people ended up paupers and you, how the hell did you become the richest man in Babylon? You're killing it, mate. Yeah. Come and teach the rest in the city.
0: That's right. Well, he said, "I just, all I did was take advantages available to all citizens of our good city." He was saying that his family wasn't rich. He didn't have any special connections. He didn't have any massive inheritance. He didn't have any real skills either. He wasn't the top of the class in either on the dodgeball court. That he wasn't a superstar athlete. He also wasn't the top of the class in the math class either. He wasn't really that smart. But he just kind of took. Advantage of the opportunities that everybody had to them as well, which is which is nice to know that you know if big old Arkad can do it, then probably Bansir and Algamish and all the other Babylonians could do it as well.
1: Absolutely, all the Babylonians can jump on board, and this is what Arkad did. He uh, put together what the, the ingredients were for the cures for a lean purse. It turns out there's seven of them, and this is what we're going to cover in the episode: the seven ancients of the lean curse, <laughs> the, seven, <laughs> a- the seven ancients of the lean purse, which could be a curse. <laughs>
0: The king had gathered a hundred or so people from Babylon ready to teach them the ways, the, those ancient cures of the lean person. Arkad started off his, his seminar by saying he went around the room and just he addressed each person in the audience. He said, young man, what craft workest thou? The first bloke, he said he was a scribe, and he, he carved records upon clay tablets. And Arkad said, well, ah, actually, you know what? My very first job was also, that's where I've earned my first coppers, uh, so thou hast the same opportunity to build such a fortune as I. Went around a room and spoke to another person. They said that they were the butcher. You know, he raised the goats and, and sent them off to market. Another one said that they were a baker, they made the bread to sell in the markets. Another one said that they made clothes. He went around and everybody had a job.
1: And it was also clear that the purse of each of you flows a stream, like our old goat milk strainer, um, stream of coins, large or small, according to the ability. So if you desire to build yourself a fortune or a huge income. The best starting point is to utilize this initial source of wealth, right? The one that's already flowing through your purse that you've already established.
0: That's right. He realized that it's not necessarily how much you earn, how how thick that stream is flowing in. It's more about how much you keep. If you if you tighten up the gap, what are the gaps in a strainer called? You know, the goat's milk strainer. Anyway. Strain if you, gaps. If you can keep a keep a few little little jingly chunks in that strainer, then you're doing better than just letting it all flow through. So, Because what Arcad did was he, he spoke to the bloke who said he was the egg merchant. And he said, uh, if thou select one of thy baskets and put into it each morning 10 eggs and take out of it each evening nine eggs, what will eventually happen?
1: Well, over time, you're going to be overflowing with eggs, aren't yeah, you? There's going to be right. too many eggs <laughs> that it hasn't flown through. So you're going to be putting in more than
0: you are taking out, right? And then so Arcad he turned to the crowd and said, does anyone here have a lean purse? And all of them, they pull out their little purses and they they try to jingle it. They shake it in the air, but it's just flopping around in the breeze. There's no jingling whatsoever in their purse. So he said, okay, I'm going to teach you the first cure of the lean purse. And the first cure, much like that egg merchant with his egg basket, is for every 10 coins thou placest within thy purse, take out but nine. Thy purse will start to fatten at once and its increasing weight will feel good in thy hand and bring satisfaction to thy soul
1: he says don't don't deride not what I say to the simplicity. The truth is always simple. This is as simple as you can bloody get, but mm. if anyone's listening right now and you're pulling out your curse and you're <laughs> if you're pulling out your purse and you're you you're running around there's no jingling there's no jingling in your bank account whatsoever." It's because of this ancient cure hasn't been worked on.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. you got to realize that uh, a little portion of everything you earn is yours to keep and uh, that might sound obvious. In fact, you might think, you know what, everything I earn is mine to keep but then he says, no, you know what, you've got to pay the butcher for your meat, you've got to pay the baker for your bread, you've got to pay the candlestick maker for your candlesticks, uh, you've got to pay the sandal maker to buy your shoes every couple of months. Uh, so you realize that you can't keep everything, but you do have to admit that one little small piece, you know, one out of every 10 coins that goes into the purse, that's got to be yours to keep. And that's the only way you can start to get that purse a jingle fatten that bad boy up. It's interesting that when you just take away this 10%, um,
1: you pretty much get along just the same amount, you'll find out, especially if it's automatic. You're, you're really sacrificing nothing whatsoever, and you're probably still able to pay for everything you need to and buy everything you need to, but the only difference is you just got one
0: coin in the purse. (laughs) That's right. Arkad realized he could still get his goat curry from the market that he wanted. He could still get his pomegranate seeds as well. He could still buy the sandals he needed. He could still buy a new tunic every now and then if he needed, but it seemed that even though he was keeping one-tenth and only spending nine, it just seemed like everything was exactly the way it was. He didn't feel like he was really sacrificing anything.
1: So the first cue is start thy purse to fattening. In English, getting a fat purse, getting that money flowing through your bank account, it's bloody simple but for some people, it be not easy. All you need to do is put more money in your account than you take out and make this a rule for the rest of your life because by always spending less than you earn, quite simply, your purse is going to start that jingling with those ancient gold coins um, and this is simple but it isn't easy as we're saying and what we can do with those gold coins probably comes a little bit later.
0: Yeah, that's right. you got to realize that every time a few shekels makes its way into your purse, keep one of those. It probably won't jingle a whole lot at first. But if you do that every single payday, then it's gonna that purse is going to get pretty – you're going to start to build yourself a nice, thick and heavy sack.
1: Like you're on Ash Joe. <laughs> make it jingle, baby. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go like, on to the next cure now because after the first lesson, some of the students were pretty perplexed. They said, look, Arkad – how can a person keep one-tenth of all they earn in their purse when all the coins they earn are not enough for all the necessary expenses, all this shit you got to buy that, that's out there?
0: Yeah, they were saying we're currently, everything we earn, we're spending to buy the shit that we need and we still need more shit. Like, how can you tell us to now keep one-tenth when we already don't have enough?
1: Yeah, well, Arkhead said, look, look, everybody, yesterday, <laughs> how many of your purses were lean? Yeah, they Everyone put their purse. hand up yeah. with their miserable faces. And then he goes... Why is this the case? Look, you don't all earn the same. Some earn much more than others. You got the local Babylonian basketball star who throws the... uh, (laughs) Do they play basketball back then? Yeah, he throws the the rocks in the net. Some have, uh, and he doesn't have a family. Then you got the other ones who have got these huge families to support, but they're just making sandals. But you know, it doesn't matter what they're earning. The superstar uh, rock thrower net, whatever they used to call basketball back then, (laughs) or the one in you know, a poor job making sandals for the family, but you both got the exact same lean mm. purse. What's going on here, everybody?
0: Yeah, that's a strange one. You know, the, some people are earning a lot more. Some people are earning a lot less. Some people have got a whole family. Some people are just the bachelors who are out on the town every weekend, but they all have an equally empty purse. None of their purses were jingling. And so that really comes down to the, that key where they're the necessary expenses. And it turns out that the expenses that we deem necessary – kind of seem to grow to exactly magically match whatever our income is at that time. All of a sudden, if your income goes up, suddenly there's something necessary that you need to buy and all of a sudden your purse is empty again.
1: Yeah, that's it. We kind of confuse these necessary expenses with desires, uh, things that used to be quite a luxury for us and they were once desired, they all of a sudden become quite necessary. <laughs> um, We've spoken about it before on the podcast, probably on this episode, like I think when we were University days, people listening right now, and then going to the pub for a meal or eating out for breakfast or something like that. It's probably a bit of a luxury at one stage of your life. A few years later, when you're starting to earn a bit more money, all of a sudden that luxury becomes absolutely necessary, and you're doing it, you know, every Friday morning or Saturday morning, or your Uber Eats, the same thing. And uh, magically, what you call necessary sort of just creeps up, doesn't it, with what you earn?
0: Most certainly. And Normally, I, I reckon that. When I was back in the uni days, two-minute noodles for dinner would have done the trick, whereas now we, had, we did a podcast interview last night, had a steak, and then this morning we got a podcast, so we had a few corn fritters. That would have been an absolute luxury back then, but now it just seems necessary Well, recording, so we have to have to have a bit of corn fritters beforehand to, to give ourselves the juice we need. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Not necessary, but somehow in the brain, they've become necessary.
1: 100%. Well, I, I thought recently I needed to buy a reading chair. <laughs> I've rationalized with you before. Uh, you get a... I need a chair where I can read in the house. It needs to be a nice chair where I can sit on and take phone calls. Probably five years ago, I'd be going straight to hard rubbish. That's right. Facebook marketplace, 50-buck chair. Thanks, mate. Just, there's my chair. Probably get the exact same satisfaction out of it. doesn't cut it these days, though. You get a, what's necessary Just slowly, slowly creeps up if you can afford it.
0: mate. what about is the uh, the extra footrest addition there? Is that necessary as well? That That's I can totally see? necessary. Man. <laughs> Looking at it right now with that nice leather. Oh, it looks pretty premium, mate. How necessary are we talking? It's pretty, it was, it was
1: close to a grand
0: for that. So I think
1: I think it's a necessary
0: one. It's very necessary. Mate, I reckon 23-year-old Jonesy would have been like, mate, what the bloody hell are you doing?
1: Uh, yeah, I reckon 23-year-old Jonesy would beat the shit out of me right now. <laughs>
0: More of a loose animal as well. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's pretty funny that, uh, that all these necessary expenses seem to really just, just creep up and creep up and creep up. And the problem is our desires that, are, that we're calling necessary expenses, they're never going to be fulfilled. Our desires are always going to be higher than our earnings. So we've got to try to be real with ourselves. The things that we're calling necessary, which of those are actually necessary and which of those can we probably do away with?
1: Yeah, we can sort of hop off the hamster wheel and look at a 50,000-foot view of ourselves and just understand that this is probably a part of human nature, that there's part of you that just wants to keep on just increasing the scope of what those necessary expenses are, especially with cars, vehicles, everything like that. So the second cue to the lean purse is to control thy expenditures, control what you're calling a necessary expense because if you can fix what that is um, and that doesn't creep up with your income but your income increases... Well, guess what? The amount of gold that that'd be jingling Ooh, yeah. uh, is going to be increasing exponentially in your pocket.
0: That's right. You start with a few little shekels, you build up to a few coppers and then a few silvers and then you get those big gold boys jingling away in that purse. And so what Arkad said next was he said, Behold, thy purse is fattening. Thou hast disciplined thyself to leave therein one-tenth of all thou earneth. Thou hast next controlled thy expenditures to protect thy growing treasures. Next, we consider the means to put thy treasures to labor to increase. Because he says, you know, gold in a purse, it's pretty gratifying. It satisfies the miserly soul, but it earns nothing. The gold we retain from our earnings is but the start. What we want to do is send that gold out to work for us and bring back some more coppers and silvers with it when it comes back.
1: That's it. So we're sending the goldeth, those money we've got into our pocket or our bank account. We're not just letting it sit there. We're going to go and put that to work to start doing some stuff for us. And what we're doing here is investing. For Arcad, when he got into the investment game, the first one he did was a bit of a big loss. But the first profitable investment he made was a loan to a bloke called Agar, who was this shield maker. And what he do once a year, he brought a shipment of bronze um, to be used to make shields. And he'd give him a bit of money so he could go out and pay, uh, pay to the merchant so he could buy his shields. But when he came back and at the end of the year, he sold his shields and had a whole bunch of extra money the Money that it was lent from Arcad, he went back to him and said, All right, here's your gold, mate, but here's a few extra little gold coins for <laughs> letting me <laughs> borrow right. your money.
0: That's right. Every time that Arcad gave him a, a piece of silver to go out and buy his necessary materials, and then he, he came back, he made a shield and sold it. When he gave Arcad back his silver, he also gave him a little bit of copper as well as the, as the rental. So he's saying, Not only did the capital uh, maintain and increase, but also so did the earnings. Because uh, big old Arcad, he says that a person's wealth is not. The coins so that they carry in their purse, it's the income that they buildeth. So what we're really talking about is building that golden stream, that stream that's going to keep flowing back into the purse and keep it always bulging.
1: This is the, this is the big trick from Arcad because he said he was a humble beginning. He came from nothing. But what he did over time, he put together a whole army of these little golden slaves that he sent out to work each day. And they'd come back and they'd bring little pieces of silver and copper over time, those silver and copper would become probably the golden tribal leaders and then they just put out more and more laborers and more and more children to go out there. So over time, <laughs> you got a bloody army doing all the work for you and then this is really the secret to Arkad's wealth.
0: Yeah, that's right. What he, Another big mistake he first did was he sent the gold out to war gold came back with a few slaves, a few little silver and copper slaves as well. And what he did was he ate the children in uh, in Babylonian senses. He took all that silver and copper, had a big party, had a big feast, invited all his mates over, was drinking wine, was was eating pigs, whatever they were, actually maybe not pigs, whatever they were eating back then. Um, probably not in Babylon, I don't reckon. But then uh, he realized that, oh, hang on, I've, I've literally, I've just like slayed the the slave the slaves, what he realized what he could really do was when the gold goes out, brings back a few slaves of silver and copper, he actually sends those back to war as well, and they can bring back more and more and more. So not only is your uh, capital growing, your income's growing, and every time you send that army out they're going to just exponentially bring more and more and more, also known as compound interest.
1: So this, of course is the power of compound interest. It's obviously the the one thing that's common across all financial uh, freedom books or personal finance books. Um, because it's true and, it's, and it works. So if you follow these pieces of advice, especially the first ones, let's say you're trapping ten percent of your paycheck, and lucky nowadays there's probably easy automated ways that you can actually do that. You could probably invest in your superannuation or whatnot, um, or your four hundred one k accounts or your Roth. It's different all around the world. Number two, you've controlled what your expenses are. You're not your necessary expenses aren't creeping up. And then, you know, all this money is sitting around. So, what you do with it sitting in your bank account. Of course, if it just sits there, your wealth is going to be eroded by inflation. So, what we need to do is go out and put that money to work That's sitting there that we've been building. And with that, it's going to give you more jingling gold saviors. And then before you know it, you're going to be driving a Lamborghini, sticking your finger up to your boss and going and telling him where to
0: go. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe maybe it's a golden chariot not a Lamborghini in the, in the Babylon times. Yeah, sticking up your, your pinky or something. <laughs> That's right, sticking up your pinky to the, the king's henchman or something, whatever, whatever the equivalent is. Now, those were the first three cures. Now, the fourth cure is you've got to guard thy treasure from loss because every time a new person is going to go out there and try to multiply their gold as per cure number three, there's going to be a few suckers every now and then that, that lose it because that gold, people want to take that gold off you and there's going to be plenty of opportunities where you think you're going to massively, rapidly, overnight multiply the gold that you've earned and you've saved in your purse. But you're going to find that probably if it sounds too good to be true, it is and that gold that golden army slave that you send out probably doesn't come back home. No,
1: it definitely doesn't. Some people learn this the hard way. Um, there's There's no such thing really as something that's Uh, a huge return without great risk. If someone's going to offer you something where you're making ridiculous amounts of money and it sounds too good to be true, almost certainly it is because it is too good to be true and there's going to be a lot of risk that comes with that. And this is what he says, the penalty of great earnings is great risk and with that risk becomes the probability of loss. So, you need to study very, very carefully before parting with your treasure, putting that gold out there to war, like what war are you going to send your gold Mm. to do? And some wars makes more sense than
0: others. Yeah, Arkad learned this the hard way. He said that he thought his first investment, um, he heard of this awesome opportunity. The brickmaker from town, Asmer, he was heading across the seas to uh, faraway lands and he was going to buy some rare jewels, bring them back and sell them at the bazaar for high prices and then divide the earnings against all his investors. And so Arcad thought, you know what, this sounds like a great opportunity to really uh, rapidly accelerate the uh, fattening of my purse. And so he invested but unfortunately, Asmo the brickmaker, he had no idea about jewels and he came back with what the Phoenicians told him were these massively rare, very expensive jewels that he was getting a great deal on, turned out to be just shards of glass and, and completely worthless. So <laughs> yeah. that, that, that gold slave, the golden army did not come back.
1: Certainly not. The modern incarnation of of that story, of course, is like all your success resources events, some of the property investing ones or you go out there and you become a financial trader and overnight <laughs> you're going to become rich and you can, you know, look at all the other bloody monotonous drones who's going out there doing their jobs who suck. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful sell. Mm. We've all been, me and you got roped into it early days. We were suckers at the start. Big time. We're now uh, putting some of our well-earned gold to, to use there and <laughs> came back with probably net negative money in in return.
0: Yeah, or another one is uh, if the equivalent of Asmer, the brickmaker who knows nothing about jewels going out to buy jewels, that's probably your mate Sammy from the pub who just bought Dogecoin and says, <laughs> here you go, I've, I've found this, or maybe not Dogecoin even, maybe Sammy's just heard about this awesome new... Uh, ICO, initial coin offering that's about to launch and you should get your money in and get in quick. Mm. You soon realize that Sammy probably doesn't know a whole lot oh. about, about crypto and Sammy's about to lose his golden Sammy's army.
1: Sammy's about to lose his golden army. I think the one question you could ask Sammy in that case, we've all got a, I think Sammy's everywhere now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's ubiquitous. Just Sammy, you know where they say, oh, yeah, they, they say it's going to be... $3,000 by the end of the year. No, who, who's, who's they? they? Who's they, Sammy? Tell, tell me who's they and I'll put all my money in. Go, you know, they like, they don't have an answer. It's always some article, some article, some article. And then probably the person who just it out who actually made the initial ICO.
0: Yeah, they're the person who's they and uh, they've probably got a fair interest in telling everybody that it's going up. So, mm. yeah. So, you've got to be very careful. That fourth cure to the lean purse is guard thy treasure from loss.
1: You're doing pretty well by this stage. You've gone through a lot of the cures of a lean purse. What do you do at this stage? He says that no person's family can fully enjoy life unless they have a plot of ground wherein children can play in the clean earth and your partner may raise not only blossoms but good, rich herbs for your family. And to a person's heart, it brings gladness to eat figs from your own trees and the grapes from the own vines." (laughs)
0: It's exactly what he said, Ashley. It is exactly what he said. It's very true as well. What does he what does he actually mean though?
1: Well, in English, uh own your own home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: Own your own plot of land. And uh that's the next cure.
0: That's right. He says, make thy dwelling a profitable investment. Because you've you're living off nine tenths of your income. You've put your one tenth aside. And of those nine tenths, though, some of that probably goes to a landlord. You're paying rent for your living. But what he says is, you know what, if you can actually Turn nine-tenths, which is meant to be your expenses, if you can turn that into an investment, a profitable investment, which is you paying off the mortgage of your own house, then it's actually building up your asset column as opposed to your expense column.
1: Yeah, you get to pay for living somewhere anyway. Why not it be just paying for your own home, uh, which you can own and becoming your own asset? Rather than making someone else's gold a purse jingling and, you know, supporting, (laughs) giving your soldiers to somebody else to make their own soldiers. That's
0: right. And if uh, a bit of a peek behind the curtain as well, the shit they never taught you, this featured (laughs) as a chapter. This uh, section of the richest man in Babylon is called the seven ancient cures for a lean purse. And we made it a... We just called it the ancient Cures for a lean person. It was only six, and Jonesy, this one got the chop for some reason.
1: Yeah, I was uh, ideological at the time. I think I was listening to a bloke called Martin North a bit on YouTube. A book we didn't put our own spin whatsoever in it, but this <laughs> this one somehow um, didn't make it through because I probably had sour grades at the time. Probably couldn't afford a home, so then I just was just uh, thought the. Grapes I couldn't reach was so sour in that sense. I thought the whole property market was going to blow up and doom and gloom and destroy everyone's um, golden purse of jingliness. <laughs> so
0: all of, all of a sudden, Arcad's seven laws became Jonesy's six. When I got my own home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now, we're, now we'll flesh it back out to seven now. Yeah. On the next, uh, next iteration.
1: <laughs> so we're doing pretty well at this stage, Ashdo.
0: We're doing very well. With, uh, our purse is jingling. It's nice and fat. The slaves, they're going out to war and bringing back more slaves that were sent back out again. And uh, now what he says, though, it behooves a man to make the preparations for a suitable income for the days to come when they're no longer young uh, and make preparations for their family should they be no longer able to comfort and support them. So this is just a way of saying that sometime in the future, whether it be old age, whether it be injury, whether it be uh, some disability, whether it be uh, a loss of the job altogether where you get the arse, you're still going to need some secure income. So you should be making plans right now for the days ahead where things might not be so rosy for you.
1: Yeah, the dark days are coming at some stage. Um, there was a bloke in the town of one of the little neighborhoods within Babylon. He was a sandal maker Ansan. He thought he'd just put away two pieces of silver to the money lender each week, a bit like the first cure of a lean purse when you, and probably the, related to the second one. When you put it away, um, your necessary expenses sort of adjust to whatever you've got. You really don't notice the money going away but it's really going to provide a huge value in your life when you're um, ensuring your future income.
0: So what he found, Ansan, just putting away those two little pieces of silver every week to the money lender that he didn't miss. Eight years later, the moneylender came back and after paying him a bit of interest, a bit of rental, he found that he now had over 1,049 pieces of silver just eight years later. And then the money lender said, you know what, if you keep doing this for another 12 years at these same rates... The total you will have invested plus all the compound interest, you're going to be sitting on over 4,000 pieces of silver. And of course, back in Babylon, if you had 4,000 pieces of silver, then that's just going to be enough to support you, your family, for the rest of your life and the rest of their lives. So just this one little tiny regular investment is enough to really satisfy you for the rest of your life.
1: So at the end of the day, when so there's going to be times when you can't earn and this is what we're going to really be thinking about. So in that case, saving for retirement, one day, you're not going to be able to go out there and earn your own soldiers, so you need the other soldiers working for you. There might be another day where you need to actually um, provide insurance on what you do. Let's say you're a, you might be a plumber and you play football on the weekends. You might go out and break your leg on the weekend. What's going to happen at that point? Or let's say you're a scientist and all of a sudden, you're in a car accident. You've got kids, but you've got a brain inj- injury in a car crash and um, all of a sudden, she can't support her family. Nobody can predict what's around the corner, especially if there's people who rely on you. So with good future planning and if you do it the right way with ensuring this income, you can go to sleep at night knowing when things turn to shit, that the people who depend on you are always going to be okay.
0: Nice. So the first six cures for the ancient purse that we've... uh, (laughs) The first six ancient cures for the lean purse, we'll get that right at some point, um, we're all about exactly where you are, right now managing your current flow of gold uh trying to trap a bit of it you know keeping one tenth reducing those necessary expenses sending that one tenth out to water bring back a few silvers and coppers with it and then sending those back out uh and but we haven't really spoken about okay well how do we actually thicken up this big stream in the first place and that's what the seventh cure to the lean purse is is increase thy ability to earn
1: back to our little goat strainer two parts of this equation. You can optimize the the gaps within the goat strainer. There's only so much you can do there. You can make it as thin as as possible. In other words, you don't order your latte, you don't have your breakfast. You just change that but the same amount of milk coming through, there's a limit to that. There's no limit to how much goat's milk you can actually pull out and pour. You can have six goats, (laughs) you can have 30 goats stacked up on each other and milk them simultaneously and there's an absolute waterfall of goat's milk going through. That, you know, all of a sudden you've got a river and ocean and you're swimming in goldsmith. <laughs> True story. That's right. That's what they did in Babylon. <laughs>
0: that's right. Is that the equivalent of, uh, is it Gordon Gecko who's swimming in the money in, in Wall Street? It's a, oh no, D- Scrooge McDuck or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which movie or which person I'm talking about, but, you know, the person who's doing backstroke in the, in the pit full of money, well, this is uh, the Babylonian equivalent. They're swimming in goat's milk. <laughs> that's it. That's
1: all they want. Because Arcad, he was a humble scribe, as we know. You earn only a few coppers. Per day, just like everyone at the time. But you notice that other people who are doing similar work over time um, slowly got paid more and more Mm. than he did when he was starting out. So he thought, all right, I know other people can get more money, more goat's milk. So I'm going to put a lot of effort into my work. I'm going to concentrate hard upon the task. I'm going to work harder than everyone else, more persistently. And I'm going to learn a lot more than everyone else about my profession. And soon no person could carve more and be more productive than Arcade could be in a day. And after a little bit of time and quite quickly you notice when he increased his skills, he was rewarded by the marketplace.
0: That's right. He was working a little bit harder, he was getting a little bit better, he was adding more value to his employers. And so as such he was getting a little bit more value back in return. His his stream of gold or his uh the the openings on the, the goat's underside were sort of expanding a little bit and sending some more milk out his way. And so he realized that, you know, if he works harder, if he gets better, if he learns more, if he improves in all aspects, then he's actually going to be rewarded. And it was through this constant growth and evolution and improvement that that stream started getting thicker and thicker and thicker.
1: That's the seventh and last remedy for lean purse is increase your ability to learn. Of course, this is investing in yourself. Um and say so your mate, what was, he, what was that guy's, his, his books? Learning. <laughs> I don't know who's that. Who's learning? <laughs> you know what I value yeah. more than Lamborghinis? Yeah. Tal Lopez. the Lopez. Yeah. To Lopez approach. <laughs> but he's onto something here because uh, the ability to, to learn does increase your ability to earn. By, by <laughs> and it doesn't matter who you are or where you are right now. If you want more money, it's a pretty simple equation or MJ DeMarco, if you're complaining about how much you earn, if you're on minimum wage or something like that, you probably should stop complaining and instead just focus all your energies on increasing your value in the marketplace and in the world. And if you do so, uh, you're going to be rewarded nicely. Arcade was sitting on his chair with a whiskey um, with his beard stroking it and speaking to the crowd and he said, everyone, in my youth... I saw all the good things that were bringing about happiness and contentment to other people and I realized if I ended up wealthy and if I had enough money the potency of all the good things in life could potentially increase because wealth is power and if you got cash and coin wealth makes a lot of things possible in life
0: oh yeah he says what desirest thou most is it the gratification of our desires each day the the nice little jewelry a better clothes maybe a little bit more food but those things are quickly gone and forgotten. Or is the more substantial belongings, the gold, the land, the herds, the merchandise, the income bring investment? Because the coins that you take out of your purse, they buy you the first stuff, the day-to-day satisfactions, but the, the coins that you leave in your purse and let them grow, they're going to bring you the long-term satisfaction. That's when you've got power, that's when you've got choices. You can choose to decorate your home with the richest of furnishings, you can sail the distant seas, you may feast on the delicacies of faraway lands, you may buy the ornaments of the gold workers or the stone polishers. you may build temples to the gods, you may do all of these things and whatever it is you want, if you've done the hard yards first.
1: You make a decision not to be one of those people who just sort of stand on the sidelines and just watch all the other people in life go and enjoy all these these good things that you can do, sailing to the faraway seas and decorating the home with the awesome shit. And if you think about it, you might not be satisfied with the life of a poor person. On the contrary, making yourself a guest at the banquet of good things.
0: So if wealth is what you want, then there's seven ancient cures to the lean purse. I got it finally. Start thy purse to fattening, control thy expenditures, make thy gold multiply, guard thy treasures from loss, make thy dwelling a profitable investment, ensure a future income, and increase thy ability to earn.